Okay, well, welcome back to the next episode of the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. My name is Dustin. And I'm Lakeisha. And we're recording from our home here in the heart of Portland, Oregon, that we share with a couple of large, meaty animals <laughs> whose needs may end up, uh, they might end up hearing them at some point during the podcast, depending on what their needs are. We can't control that. But anyway, we're here, almost kind of like the second part of a two-part episode. That's true. Because last week, we reviewed a movie called Kingsman, The Secret Service, a movie that came out a few years ago that we really enjoyed. And we did it in advance of its sequel, which came out just this week. Kingsman, The Golden Circle. The Golden Circle, yes. With most of the characters from the previous movie, plus some new ones, plus uh, there was a lot of... added stuff to this movie to say that <laughs> yes. uh, so we'll have we'll probably have lots to say about this uh but as is uh, usually the case or every episode we only we not only review a movie we also review a beer we each pick out a couple of different beers to have as we talk and we uh, start off talking about what we're having that's correct Who, who's first this week i, I think I, it's your turn is it my turn to go first okay well this will be fun as so last week I had a barrel-aged beer, and so for part two of our Kingsman cast, I'm also having another barrel-aged beer. I wonder why. And this time, though, it's uh, it's something from Rogue Brewing. Rogue Brewery is one of the stalwarts of the Oregon craft brewing scene. Right. They're one of the more the well-known stable. names. Uh, I like Rogue Brewing. Uh go to their website uh it'll tell you that in 1987 some like-minded rogues had an idea to start a brew pub and they opened their first one a year later in ashland oregon the 60 seat pub and then expanded from there they've got several different locations around oregon they do my my two favorites are the one obviously in newport oh yeah we've been there several times several times and the one in astoria yeah that's a good one too out on the out on that pier. Mm-hmm. You gotta drive out over the water to get to it. It's pretty cool. Uh, about the one on Newport, which is another uh, town on the Oregon coast, in 89, one of Rogue's founders was in Newport. They were looking for a location for, they wanted to open a second location. Um, and it got, he got stranded there due to a snowstorm. And while he was there, he met a lady named Mojave Niemi. I probably said that wrong. But anyway, she's the founder of Moe's. Yes. Which is a restaurant, there's a few different Moe's restaurants on the Oregon coast that are kind of famous in Oregon anyway. They have an amazing clam chowder. Known for the clam chowder. Uh, but anyway, Moe, as she's known, um, she had, uh, as they, they met, and he told, talked about why he was in town and what he was looking for. And she happened to have... Um, you know, an empty space there, like a building that had a garage and an art gallery and a whole bunch of room. And so she offered her vacant space and garage at a generous price uh, to the this rogue founder under two stipulations. Stipulation number one, feed the fishermen, which is her way of saying give back to uh, the local community. The second thing was to forever display a memorial picture of Mo. And there is, to this day, a picture of Mo naked in a bathtub that you can find to the left of the bar at the Newport Ale House. And if you ever find yourself at Newport on the Oregon coast, go to Rogue, uh, go to the brewery and take the tour. We it's did that so much this year. It's really fun. You get a ride in a little train thing. 
uh, get a sample of some stuff. Rogue also ha has a distillery now. They make liquors yes. uh, and you get a sample, sample of those. those. It's pretty fun. Um, and what I am having one of the one of the ales that the, one of their mainstay ales that you can find. Also, Rogue, uh, you can find Rogue ales in all fifty states and thirty two different countries. Uh, but they make what they call dead guy ale. Right. And it's not an IPA. It's just kind of, it's a it's a regular ale. It's based off a German style of ale. And just plain old dead guy is it's fine. It's not like one of my favorite things. But what they what I have here is what they call dead in dead. Because not only did when they started making liquors, they started making dead guy whiskey. And so That's they took right. dead guy ale and they aged it in dead guy whiskey barrels. And that is what I have. And it's really good. I like it way better than regular Dead Guy Ale. It's kind of got a little spice to it almost. It's, it does have an interesting taste. I mean, and you can, and you, if you've had a barrel-aged beer before, you can tell that it's been in a barrel, but it's not overly so. It's not like you can't really taste the whiskey in it. It's more subtle, but yet it's still like, it's still a good, pretty strong beer. So I, I really like it. It's way better than the old Dead Guy. So right. that's my... That's my beer for this week. Dead and Dead Ale from Rogue Brewing, Rogue Nation, Fist in the Air. That's their, their like logo. <laughs> yeah. So check out Rogue Brewing. Uh, they're, I'm a, they're, a, they're a favorite of mine. But anyway. Great. So I am drinking the Cast Out IPA uh, from Crux Fermentation Project out of Bend. Mm -hmm. Um, so Crux Fermentation Project was, uh, founded in 2012, uh, by, um, a brewer and two other friends. And so the founding brewer actually still works there, which is pretty awesome. And it is, you know, another one of those small brewers founding stories. So, um, when they originally decided that they were going to open in 2009, they then uh, decided that they, it took them a while to find the right spot. Then it took them a little while to get all of the equipment. In fact, uh, when they finally found their location, which was in 2011, they were buying used equipment from friends in the brewing industry. And most of their equipment came from a defunct Japanese brew pub. Oh. And it came to them in pieces. So they were <laughs> reassembling, cleaning, oh, polishing, and it was definitely sounds like it was a friend um like a family project yeah a lot of uh labor from people who love them so it's um crux is a pretty good brewery i enjoy yeah. it um this is the cast out ipa and what it talks about is in the northwest many breweries procure their hops right here in the northwest but this beer features the galaxy hop from australia Mm. A country famously populated by England's cast-out convicts. That's true. Cast-out IPA employs these hops aggressively from hop back to dry hop stages. Yet the result is a balanced and bronzy ale with medium hop bitterness complemented by a moderate maltiness showcasing aromas and flavors reminiscent, reminiscent of passion fruit. And that's really true. It's a pretty... Um, Again, refreshing tasting IPA. It's not too heavy. Yeah. Uh, it's got 60 IBUs, so it's moderately hoppy, which I like. And this particular 
uh, bottle was bottled on April 2nd of 2017. Oh, so wow. It has a fresh. bottled on date. It you does, don't see that too often. Which is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a pretty good IPA. I'm enjoying it. Definitely feel like I'd, I, this is the type of beer that I would want to go back and get somewhere else. Okay. That's so. cool. Very nice. Oh, yeah. One of the other things, I don't know if this bottle does that, but the old dead guy ale bottles, like the logo on the bottle, there's like a little skeleton guy coming out of a, a sitting on a barrel of beer, and he used to glow in the dark. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they still do that anymore. I don't either. I have to oh. test it later. <laughs> okay. All right. So, got our beer stuff out of the way. Pretty good ones. Better than last week for me, anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, we're not happy. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, on to the movie this week. Kingsman, The Golden Circle. We've been looking forward to this since we saw the first trailer. Pretty excited because we liked the first one so much. Yes, definitely. Uh, and well, now, and how we do this, if you haven't listened to us before, is we each uh, uh, think of the three things we like the most about the movie, three coolest parts or, or what have you, and don't share them with each other beforehand until we get to this point right here. That's correct. So, since it's my turn to go first this week, I will say that out of this movie, I think my one of the, my favorite things was, for the most part, they oh, didn't... Oh, wait, wait, wait. What, Spo we might as well just tell everybody oh, if right. you haven't heard us before. Uh, spoiler alert, we're going to tell you about this movie. We're going to talk about our favorite scenes. Yeah, no holding um, back. We're not going to hold back at all. Plot details. Exactly. Yeah, so if you haven't seen it yet or you think you're going to see it, you know, Still listen aware. anyway. Then yeah. you'll have something interesting to watch, and you'll be like, "Oh, I remember them talking about this." There you go. When you watch the movie. Yeah. So, okay, go ahead. What was okay. the thing you like? Um, for the most part, how they incorporated events and characters from the first movie. I mean, they didn't get everything right. There's some things that uh, that I didn't like as far as that goes, but for the most part, they did a pretty fun job of that you know there's the occasional little flashback they talk about the events of the last movie it's not like it you know a lot of sequels you know all that's well you'll see that rarely mentioned um in particular um the character uh charlie who in the first movie was one of the guys trying to become the next kingsman agent right, right. he was put up by he arthur yeah he was uh, the you know this one of the snob rich recruits who was just you know a jerk to the our hero eggsy you know and ultimately wasn't good enough to be the next kingsman and then you thought died you know at the end of that movie he, he and his rich family were with, with the villain and the villain lair and whatever and so they have uh they do a pretty good job of giving a decent enough explanation as to how he survived and then what they did because in the first movie that guy's got a just a foppish you know pompadour almost hair and just a super goofy you know i'm not intimidated by this guy at all he's just a jerk rich jerk and they do a really good job of making him in this movie a pretty really menacing villainous henchman he, yeah i mean they cut off his hair uh he looks mean they give him a mechanical arm because you know that's what you do and you when know, you're gonna have bond-esque spy right? movies you got to give him some sort of disability that they then are overcome with a piece of technology. And that guy was very surprising. You know, I really was surprised at how I think he made that movie a lot better. Yeah. Uh, and so that was a good on them for taking that character and reincorporating him 
to the to the betterment of the film, and along with you know some other things, nods to the previous ones that are pretty fun. I think that I think in the first say saying like the first half of the movie is where they kind of do the best of that. Then as it goes on, not so much. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, for the most part, that's one of my favorite parts. How they nods to tips to and incorporations of things from the the first film. Yes, I agree. I think most of it worked really really well. Um, so I would say, and I am going to save my favorite thing for last. But okay. The first two are kind of equally. Sure, that's the same up, for me, really. This you time. know, yeah. um, I would say one of the things that I actually liked about this movie, and it was a little surprising, was that, um, in the first movie, uh, like you listened to last week's podcast. My least favorite part is the Swedish uh, princess. I was going to wonder like, if you were going to bring this up. Um, you right. know, like, oh, like, I am just simply the sexual reward for, for, for winning the day. Right. Right. But then it turns out that they actually have a very loving relationship. Yeah. And in the sequel, that like, was... they're still together. Uh-huh. And um, she seems to be, you know, they seem to actually have a pretty well-functioning relationship, which was, I thought was great. Because I love yeah, the fact. Yeah, good on him for doing that. Yeah, that it wasn't, she was more than just a sexual reward. And that yep. it kind of fleshed out Eggsy's character that he's not a player. That he's, you know. Yeah. He has a, he, he found this girl and they actually have a, a relationship. And spoiler alert, they get married at the end. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, but I appreciated that. Because I actually thought, you know, she's kind of feisty and she fits in not only with her princess of Sweden, but also with um, with Eggsy's friends. There's some great scenes where they're just hanging out in his friend's apartment and it's kind of cool. So I I actually, I liked that. I thought that was a pretty decent way of bringing, again, a past character forward, but also making that particular scene that I hated so much in the first one um, a bit more like meaningful. Like they actually develop you know, real feelings. I wonder if over the, between that movie and the making of this one, if they, if there were some sort of, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Oh, I don't think so. Because of course he makes almost the exact same mistake in this movie too. Yeah. So I don't think so. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, it's funny because when I was thinking of my uh, three favorite parts of this movie, this almost was one of them, but I left it off. It was really close. It was a nice surprise because we talked last week about how the first film is so much of an homage, a little bit of a love letter almost to, to Bond films. Right. And in a Bond film, that that you know that uh, that when she is she the princess of Sweden, what yes. country is it? The Swedish princess would totally have been a one-off, you know, you know, sexual conquest that you only ever saw in that movie. You would never see her again. Right. And to bring her back and have so it was kind of a bit of a surprise. Because the movie starts, there's a big action sequence, and then he says, Eggsy's got to get to a dinner. And you find out the dinner is, you know, with with her. Right. That's how you find out that they're together and living together. And that was, like, kind of a cool surprise that they brought that actress back that for all the world looked like, you know, was just going to be a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, not a horrible joke. Used as a joke, I should say, and a horrible one at that. So, yeah, that was that was good on, uh, good on them for for making that decision. Right. I agree. So, all right. What was uh, your number two? My second thing I will say is 
so in this movie we find, and it's been in in the trailers, you know, the statesmen, what they right. refer to in the movie as the American cousins to the Kingsmen, and just the concept of the statesmen is is pretty fun. I really like it. It could have been even better. We won't really get into that. But, you know, just the American version of the Kingsman, you know, the Kingsman, you know, their hideout in, in London is, you know, inside a tailor's shop, right? The right. Statesman's headquarters are inside, you know, a whiskey distillery, <laughs> right? And it's just, so they have, you know, you can the similarities between the two spy organizations, the differences being cultural spins on, like, on their gadgetry, right. or just how they do things, how they talk, their code names, um, you know, the... The the English agents are all named after the Knights of the Round Table. You know, the uh, American agents are all named after type, type, types of alcohol. <laughs> just, you know, Agent Tequila, which is just, you know. I love it. Is so, I mean, that should be, that should be the, that should be Ron, Rob, Rob Gronkowski's, like, secret agent name. Agent <laughs> Tequila. Uh, but yeah, just the statesman, the concepts, um, and... And not really all the actors that they got to be this different statesman are all pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. Jeff Bridges as their their boss is great, and you know, but yeah. So I think that's really all. I like the the belt buckles that look like little flasks. Right. I didn't. I didn't care. Did they ever just like take off the belt buckle and drink out of it? I kept expecting that to happen. I don't remember if it ever actually did. Uh, you know, I can't remember. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, statesman. The fun concept, that was probably my second favorite thing. That was my second favorite thing as well. I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought the names that are, you know, after different types of liquor were hilarious. And it was fun for us to think about, like, what would the names of other agents yeah, be? on the drive home from the theater, we did this. We were like, what, would they be rum? Agent rum? Mm-hmm. Um, if they had a red-haired agent, could that be Agent Irish Whiskey? Yeah. That was yours. But that was my you joke. got whiskey and then Irish yeah. whiskey. I don't know. But like when I was reading about different trivia and one was like perhaps one could be Agent Merlot because there's red wine out of California. I suppose. Yeah. See? I mean, right. yeah, the Jeff Bridges was, he was champagne. Mm-hmm. Which, <laughs> and you could do loggers. True. Right. Yeah. It'd be great. So I enjoyed that. Um, I thought the, um, that Channing Tatum, he has a smaller part in the movie mm-hmm. than I wanted. I thought he could have been hilarious because his first couple of scenes, um, he's definitely, he's pretty good. He's yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, and he's definitely developed his comedic chops as he's you know grown as an actor. So I would have liked to see a bit more of him. And I was just really disappointed that um, they they didn't include whatever scene is in the previews in the trailer right. where they're looking at, you know, Eggsy's like, Oh, how very American. He's Channing like, oh, Tatum's is hell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is. yeah. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's a, there's a, I don't know if that's a spoiler or a reverse spoiler. If you've seen the trailers and you saw that in the trailers, that's the only place you're going to see it. Cause that's it's not, not in the movie. movie. It yeah. had better be the extended scene. Probably. There's, there's supposedly that, a lot of <laughs> Yes. I read that the movie was originally 80 minutes longer. I read that the first edit, the first cut of the film was four hours. Yeah. That's, That's crazy. Yeah. So um, anyway, I like that. I thought Pedro Pascal as whiskey was awesome. Yeah. And I thought he did a great job as this, um, 
you know, with his southern twang as a statesman, which was kind of the only thing that bothered me. Apparently, to be a statesman spy, you have to run around in a cowboy outfit, uh-huh. which is totally not going to stand out if you're, like, doing spy work in New York City or something. Um, but uh, given the last time we saw Pedro Pascal, he was currently, he was in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, I thought... You know, they were very contrasting characters. For sure. Even though he has a lasso in this one. He does. Right? And but, a whip. And a whip. But the electrified lasso is so cool. That is pretty neat. So, anyway, that was my number two. Okay. Uh, my last uh, favorite part of the movie, and this is interesting because it is a scene in the movie that when it starts, I was like, I'm going to hate this. <laughs> this. This As the scene starts, I'm like, I'm getting angry watching this. Are they really going to do this right now? So one of my favorite things, the first movie we talked about last week, that there's uh, a bar fight early on where yes. uh, Harry Hart, you know, played by uh, Colin, Colin Firth. Firth, you know, it looks like he's walking out of a bar to leave Eggsy to have to deal with these toughs who have been bothering him throughout the movie only to lock the door and turn around and just show all of his super spy ass kickery and take down all these guys. Right. So spoiler alert, you thought Harry Hart died in the first movie. He's not dead. Uh, he has amnesia for a while. Then they get his memories back. And, su- and right after that, they're all in a bar. Uh, you know, Eggsy, uh, Mark Strong's character. Um, and then a couple of the statesmen and, then all of a sudden, they're interrupted by some just stereotypical southern redneck asshole uh, throwing homophobic slurs around. Get out of my bar, you, you know. Yeah. And the, I, I rolled my eyes at that because I felt that, that uh, this, I mean, at least in the first movie, the antagonists of that scene were characters that you had already been introduced to. They're part of the plot. Right. And these are just throwaway cannon fodder dudes who are just stereotypically, you know, you know. They're just there to get beat up. Yes. They're just walking, you know, white trash stereotypes, which is annoying to me. And then Harry Hart gets up and he walks to the bar saying the exact same lines as as the first movie. Walks the door, you know, manners make it the man. He's like, so we're we gonna stand around, and then he like grabs it, like he has his umbrella, and he grabs a beer mug, and he goes to throw it. <laughs> and I'm just like, if they just do a copy of this scene, I'm gonna be so disappointed and possibly upset. And but so, then, but then, so he throws a beer mug, misses everything, is then he's and then kind of starts getting his ass kicked by these rednecks, only to have. The Red Viper of Dorne, step up. Whiskey. Agent Whiskey, Pedro Pascal, who was great. And so Pedro Pascal does the bar fight scene. Intercut with the British uh, agent sitting back down at the bar and just having this very serious, calm discussion about, you know, what's wrong with Harry? You know, you just rusty or whatever. And they go back to, to Agent Whiskey, you know, breaking out his whip. And just and it's like action, ass. The, kick, the action scenes that they gave Pedro Pascal were great. I thought he they was really cool. Like there's another one later where they're at the at the mountain. Uh, they're up on like a snow top mountain, and they're in a cabin. And he runs out and kills a bunch of guys. And just like gunslinging he does is pretty fun. 
so yeah, the the remix of the bar fight scene where where Agent Whiskey comes out and wrecks shop is pretty cool and probably and I will say probably my the most fun part of the movie. Even though it started out, I was about to hate it. <laughs> um. Well, once again, it is very clear that um, we are married and we have things in common. Uh-huh. Um, because my my favorite thing about this movie were the over-the-top action sequences again. Um, mm-hmm. I thought they were good. There was no action sequence that met kind of the church scene. Oh, not even remotely one. close. But there were still pretty fun action sequences sure. in this one. And I just thought it was like Matthew Vaughn was sitting there and people were like, you know what would be cool? <laughs> and he was like, great, let's put it in the movie. You know, it was like Which a kid. Not a, a way to write a script. Exactly. In a fighting candy store. <laughs> That's true. Because he tried, I mean, he's got somebody with a robotic arm and the arm will like, shoot out a hand and like with a you know with a uh, cable to get mm-hmm. exit at the end scene and then there's you know robotic dogs and elton john kicking ass in platforms uh, which just we'll get to laugh. that later um but yeah and then whiskey that has they definitely gave him the best fight scenes he's really really good really smooth fight scenes. yeah um, they did a great job but also even the one where they have the snow lift escape, like where they're going down um, that big snow lift cable and then the cable right. breaks and they're just spinning. And, you know, they still have these great sequences that are pretty exciting. So I thought while it didn't match um, the first movie in terms of kind of cool and new fight scenes, these were still pretty spectacular Although I did think it was interesting that, you know, once again, in the second, you know, we, we kind of get into this thing where the hero can't, is actually quite ineffective by themselves. Yeah. Like, Eggsy doesn't win any fight by himself. It's always him and Harry that have to beat the villains. Yeah. You know, he only gets to beat Charlie. You know, it's one-on-one, evil yeah. henchman from the first one, one-on-one. Mm. But that's it. Everything else, you know, they both get their butt kicked by, or Eggsy and, and Merlin, Mark Strong's character, get their butt butts kicked by a uh, by tequila by, tequila, by Channing Tatum, yeah. right? Channing Tatum at the beginning, and and so I thought that was a little disappointing that it always seems to take two heroes to take down one villain. Yeah, but um, but either way, I still thought they were really good. So yeah, I agree. They're all for the most part very solid, very fun. Yes. Then you're then a lot of action stuff you'll see out there. All right. Well, there's our three favoritest things of this movie. And now, before we get to this next part, I'm going to refill my glass. Oh. Because <laughs> this might take a few minutes. The next section, we usually go over uh, the, anything about the movie maybe we didn't like so much. And, and it's not like I dislike this movie, but man. There was some things that, it's yeah, just, yeah, that are definitely cringeworthy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so kind of the more my, like so one of the things that I liked most that I said I liked about the first movie was was the super spike, the cool super spike gadgets. I have written down under dislikes too many gadgets. 
I feel like there's there's a fine line, and they sprinted past it as fast as they possibly could. They just went overboard. It's it's too long. Um, you know what? How long? It's two and a half hours. No, it's like two hours and ten minutes. Okay. It, well, it felt longer than that. It's. <laughs> I think it's. I think it is maybe a little longer than that. But I mean, once your once your movie hits two hours, this is just me. This is just my feelings about about it. You, your the plot you have better be pretty tight, uh, or I'm going to start looking at my watch. And I was looking at my watch. Uh, what else did I write down? Oh, speaking of too much of one, too much of things, too much Elton John. <laughs> I mean, it was cool to see Elton John. Uh, we didn't even talk about uh, Julianne Moore being the actual villain. mastermind villain of this. Um, I didn't really care for her, like, having this weird, you know, 50s hap- happy days, like, fixations or headquarters or all, like, you know, 50 diner, 50s at a 50s diner or, like, a, right. you know. Um, In the middle of... A- of a jungle, the, wood, the jungle on an uh, island somewhere. Somewhere, oh man, um, yeah, and it just wasn't as good a story. I mean, a lot of this movie wasn't as oh, yeah. tightly done as the first one. Uh, we've already talked about Channing Tatum barely being in it, which was which a super was bummer because yeah. I like Channing Tatum now. You know, come around on Channing Tatum. Uh, so it was a bummer that he was in the trailer so heavily and then barely in the movie. Um, yeah, they just they just did something that used to always happen with with sequels, especially like popcorn, you know, blockbuster sequels. Well, then the next one has to be bigger, right. and that doesn't necessarily and almost never actually makes it better. And that's what it, I, this felt like with me. So those were some of my some of my grievances with this movie. Oh, also, uh, they kill off some people, and the ones that they kill off suck. <laughs> super sucks that's true that is also true um well there were re- i mean there were really only two things about this that i didn't like um the first one i know you already can guess um but yeah. the finger condom scene <laughs> was was the equivalent of oh uh, yeah the, i was like are you know, we really doing ass, this right now yeah, yeah in the in the first movie like I, I could not believe that that's where they went. And then, you know, it was fairly, you know, it, there was nothing left to the imagination in terms of what is he going to do? Oh, no. Like, it's, oh, yeah, it's right there. It's, a, um, it's, a, it's filmed in close-up. It's a close-up yes. shot. So it didn't, I, it just felt like it wasn't necessary. And it's it's another mistake. You know, they made the same mistake that they made in the first movie, which is apparently... The only thing you, you know, a good action movie, if it doesn't have a gratuitous sex scene in it, then mm. it's just not complete. Right? There has to be that, or else it's just not complete. And I feel like that's such a mistake because there are so many. The movie, the plot doesn't need to be moved along that way. There are so yeah. many ways to do it. Um, so, anyway, I did not particularly like it and i didn't like that that was the prerequisite relationship trial that <laughs> oh, you know eggsy and tildy had to go through before they could realize that no Ugh. he really did want to marry her right because they also did the classic you know he's like i want to spend the rest of my life with you and she's like are you proposing marriage and he immediately 
backtracks. Yeah. Oh, wait. wait uh, hold on. Uh, uh, I don't know about I that. No, you know, yeah. and it just kind of like, it, it was just dumb. Like they, it's like they have to play that same thing over and over again. Uh, oh, I love you. But I don't know if I love you that much. I mean, right. That's got commitment issues. And the trial must be, I have to have sex with another woman. And are you okay with that? You know, right. just silliness. Yeah. Um, which led me to my second thing that I didn't really like is that um, in the first movie, I love the character of Roxy. Like she's yes, not this the bothered me a lot too. Character, she's a secondary character, but she's totally strong, and she actually ends up being Lancelot, the open space in the you know in the Kingsman, mm-hmm. and she's totally competent and totally qualified, and she does her job, and she's a great female lead, and you know as is. Um, gazelle in the first one like she's totally competent she's very strong and she does her job and she's very efficient at it there's none of that in this one um julian moore is the is the villain right Mm -hmm. but poppy is like overly over the top sweet and 50s mama you know yeah like just yeah proper etiquette don't be rude, you know, type of thing. And it just, it didn't really work. Um, Halle Berry is the cute scientist role, the cute geeky scientist role. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's not really given anything profound to do. Yeah, that was, was a bummer. disappointing. It's a waste of why have Berry. Why have that actress there right. if you're not going to do anything other than that? Right. I mean, Tildy is still um, a strong character but she's she's just the love interest yeah. you know that's her only role and then they kill off Roxy in the first five minutes of the movie so you know it just felt like it was very disappointing they had done some really great things with their female characters in the first movie mm-hmm. and they kind of undid all of that in the second movie yeah what was what they just did they, and right before they kill off Roxy they did something that you almost never see so Eggsy is at dinner right. with uh, Tildy and her parents. So the king and queen in Sweden, right? He's having dinner with royalty. Right. And so he has his spy master glasses on and Roxy is feeding him information on what to say. So he seems like he's like on top of all these subjects that he normally would know a damn thing about. Right. Right. And so, and she's, and what they have this little very like sweet exchange, like via text, via text about, you know, any like, like, you know, am I the best spy ever or the best friend? You know, essentially he says, yeah, you're my best friend. You're, you know. Yeah, and the best spy. And the best spy ever. So you have what normally in any other movie, they would have been a couple. Right. And, you know, but no, they like, they give him this other relationship you don't expect. And, you know, a profound best friend who is also a woman, which you never see. Right. And then they kill her five minutes later. I know. Which, I mean, well, so there's a missile coming at the the building she's in. She's like in her bed on her laptop helping him out. And she sees that there's a missile incoming and they show her kind of starting to dive out of bed before they cut back to the missile hitting the property. So as, if there ends up being a third movie, I'm sure they could come up with some absurd, you know, spy, super spy way that she lives. But then how do they explain her not being in the rest of the movie? Because if she right. lived that, then wouldn't she... Right. Try to when she would try to find her comrades and end up. Yeah. Yeah. No, she died. I'm I sure mean, she died, and that's a bummer. That's right. one of the deaths 
that pissed me off. It was. I did. I also appreciated, you know, the fact that like there's this platonic friendship between them that mm-hmm. they have built entirely of just mutual respect. And yeah. like, you were my friend, you're a great spy. And that's, you know, and that's our, that's the basis for our friendship, you know, and, and then, you know, murder her. Yeah. It was, and it was a bummer. Super bummer. And, uh, see, do I have anything else I didn't like about this? The deaths too long, too much Elton John, not enough to take I'm not going to harp on that again. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, I love Julianne more, but the whole, uh, her, what she chose, what they did with her villain wise, it was like, there was a couple of things. They, it almost seemed like they were trying to say something about a couple larger issues, but they just never really followed through on it. Right. Like about like, uh, women in the workforce, you know, equal pay for equal work. Cause Julianne Moore talks about how she's the, or at least recognition, how that she's the most successful drug lord in the world, but nobody knows who I am. Right. You know? <laughs> um, and then there was a second one that I was trying to think of, but I can't think of it now. Oh, but also, um, you know, there's a, essentially a double agent in this. The guy that we said we liked so much in this movie turns out also to be a bad guy, which Again. is super telegraphed and predictable. And we were both like, ah, oh, he's going to end up being a bad guy. I hope I'm wrong, but he is. And it sucks. The only good thing was it wasn't, he wasn't a bad guy in that the, he had been working with Poppy the whole time. Like he wasn't a traitor. Like he just becomes a bad guy because he's like, oh, well, my wife was killed by drug dealers and she's a drug dealer, like so. All these druggies can die, and it's all fine. Like, it's you know. So that's an interesting component. But either way, he still ended up being, you know, a turncoat, which is just disappointing. Oh, and I thought of another thing. So the president of the United States is a dick. Well, that, and he's also played by actor Bruce Greenwood, I know who I is know. so great. So he is, if you've seen like the new rebooted Star Trek movies, the first t- couple of them, he's Captain slash Admiral Pike, right. right? He's the mentor to James T. Kirk. And he's so good. Like one of my favorite lines in any of those movies comes from him in the first Star Trek movie. I believe it's him. And there's a movie about the Cuban Missile Crisis called 13 Days has mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Costner in it. And right. he plays JFK. Amazingly so. He's so good. I love him so much. And they just have him in this movie as the president of the United States, just being a super, you know, callous, amoral, jerk. callous jerk, willing to let me, uh, so Julianne Moore poisons a bunch of her drugs, like right. weed, heroin, cocaine or whatever. And it's going to cause all these people who have taken her drugs around the world to die. And she's essentially holding all these people's lives you know, to ransom or what, what she's, they were going to, you got to legalize it, sign all the right. stuff being legalized or all these people are going to die. And the president of the United States is like, Oh, they all broke a law. Who cares? Let them all die. And I was just like, Ugh. and they made him a Southern guy too, which just kind of bothered me for whatever reason. They made him also a Southern, you know, redneck jerk for no reason. So that was a bummer that they got him to play just such a, Bat, uh, such a lame kind of character. Character. Agreed. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that they could have done without. I also didn't particularly care for them bringing Harry Hart back. I think they should have left him dead. 
I didn't mind that they brought him back. Um, but I appreciated the fact that like Matthew Vaughn was so pissed when the advertisers put that in the previews. He was mm-hmm. like, they don't care about the like movie and like actually the audience reaction to things. They're just like, we're going to try and sell as many tickets as possible. And so he was pretty ticked off that they actually let people know that in advance. Yeah. Um, which I think is funny. So, I mean, I, I felt like they, it wasn't terrible that they brought him back. But yeah. I don't know. It could have. It, it might have been just cooler had they left him dead, and it was just a, a matter of Eggsy and uh, Merlin making do. Because his death is a big deal in the first movie. It is. And to not have it stick, kind of. I don't know. Take something away from. Anyway, anything. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. They're just so because the movie is so long. There's so much stuff going on. They don't stick the landing on a bunch of it. So there's a lot of stuff to nitpick in this right. movie. I mean, it is not a train wreck by any means. It's not bad. It's fine. I would say it's it's fun. It is silly, and it, you'll laugh. There are lots of parts where you'll laugh at the movie. Um, but I think the I think it's like many sequels. If you're a fan of the first one, mm-hmm. um, the sequel falls into the same trap. If the goal is let's cram as much in as possible versus let's make a really, really quality sequel. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that that's the trap that it falls into. And, you know, the first one just had some pretty groundbreaking scenes that were just really crazy. Yeah. Um, and there was really no way to do to replicate that, which just kind of made it a little disappointing because they tried and and tried and tried and tried again, (laughs) tried, but then Elton John drop kick somebody and you're like, okay, okay. While he's wearing a big bright feathers bridge too far. It's hilarious. Mm -hmm. It's just a little disappointing that Elton John gets more screen time almost than Than Channing Channing Tatum. That is true. Which is a travesty. But but it it is entertaining and it is kind of funny. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I would have a tough time sitting through the entire thing again. Like, if we, like, should we get like the Blu ray or something and we put it on? I would probably find myself after the first hour doing something else. (laughs) You don't know that. Uh, we'll anyway. Okay, so that's probably enough of the the negative stuff, I guess, would you say? Mm-hmm. All right, so I know. I looked up a couple fun facts. I already mentioned the one about the first edit of the movie was like four hours because they just shot so much stuff. Right. Another one was I saw an interview with uh, Taron Egerton, the actor who plays Eggsy. They asked him about Channing Tatum not being in the movie. And he said that wasn't the initial uh plot but just like scheduling conflicts with uh channing's with other things channing was doing just kept coming up and he just due to scheduling stuff wasn't able to be there mm-hmm. and so they actually ended up changing the script a lot around that so oh, one, okay. yeah according to him according to that one interview i saw right well that's kind of interesting too i mean you figure channing tatum just had logan lucky come out a couple of months ago yeah so if those things were shooting anywhere near each other in terms of time frame, then you can see why that might have happened. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else? Um, well, I kind of seeded some of my interesting facts mm-hmm. into my things I liked and disliked about the movie, so I don't really have any additional ones. 
Yeah. Uh, the director, Matthew Vaughn, is I saw, is attached to a bunch of other stuff, whether it ends up happening or not. I can't remember if I mentioned this last week, but he's supposedly in talks with DC and Warner Brothers to maybe direct the sequel to Man of Steel, oh, the next Superman yeah. movie. I actually did see that. I don't um, know how I feel about that. Uh, I don't either. Well, I, I like it better than if they would just, you know, let What's-His-Face do it, the next one, but... <laughs> I know you're definitely kind of in the anybody is better than Zack Snyder. Yeah, I mean, I know that the Zack and his family, are, you know, dealing with personal tragedy, and I respect that, and I feel bad for them. But I'm not a huge fan of a lot of his work, and I think Superman would be better, but in a different director's hands. Um, but also, I saw that I didn't. I just saw this article this week that Matthew Vaughn was also. Has been had been working on a uh, a remake of Flash Gordon, oh, which no. makes me extremely happy. I would oh, love that no. so much. But then apparently he when he saw Guardians of the Galaxy, he that made him rethink uh, how to do Flash Gordon because it kind of sounded like that maybe he was his what he was going to maybe do with Flash Gordon was going to be too much like a Guardians of the Galaxy type thing. Uh huh. But like, and I know that 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 eighties movie, you know, with uh, that dude who used to be in Dr Pepper commercials as the star, uh, <laughs> uh, and Max von Sydow as Ming the Merciless. I know it is not a good movie. It is super campy and super cheesy. But you man, love I love that movie. Gosh. But anyway. Well, if, now it is definitely time for uh, us to end. You can tell that that dead and dead is having, having an effect. What are you talking about? I haven't even finished the whole thing. On Dustin, so. And there was another franchise he was uh, supposedly attached to, but I can't remember. But yeah, so I think that's all the fun facts. Oh, also, one more. Uh, a Channing Tatum was in a movie that had that John Denver song. Uh, Take Me Home, yeah. Country mm-hmm. that was in this movie too, even though none of it takes place in West Virginia. Okay. Thought it was weird. Okay, so that'll be it for this episode, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> if you have anything to say about this episode, about this movie, or any of our previous ones, if you want to drop us online and tell us what you thought of Kingsman, The Golden Circle... Uh, recommend a beer for us to try for one of our future podcasts. Recommend a movie for us to watch in one of our future podcasts. You certainly can do that. Drop us a line at ddkpodcasting at gmail.com. That'd be great. Look forward to hearing from anybody. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, an app called Podcast Republic. If you have an Android device, we can be reached there. Uh, I'm not sure what we're doing next week. Next week might be a pick one out of our personal library week. Yeah, probably. Uh, probably. So surprise choice next week. We'll just say that. We Correct. don't know exactly what we're doing. But uh, we'll be back next week. So until then, I've been Dustin. And I'm Lakeisha. And hey, go see a movie. <laughs>